Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Portland Public Schools uh, podcast. Uh, with me in the studio at our Town Tech Educational Partnership studio is Dr. Charles Britton, and uh, he's going to give us the, the update on uh, where we are. We are, uh, I believe you just started the uh, second semester. So good morning, Charles. How uh, are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me back. Oh, uh, no worries. No worries. Uh, so what's, what's happening in the district where you've just embarked on the, uh, the second semester and, uh, where we are, I think we're, we're full on, full back. So give us the update. Yeah. So, um, it's been an interesting year for, for sure. You know, uh, we, we started the year in hybrid. Um, we went to full, um, we got beat up pretty good when we went to full, when the numbers spiked up in the state and a lot of quarantining and contact tracing. And, you know, the, the big challenge we faced, of course, was staffing our buildings. Uh, we had to hit pause and go remote, and that provided me some time to um, take advantage of the governor's waiver of the requirement that substitute teachers hold a bachelor's degree and uh, appeal to the community to step up and was remarkably impressed with the community spirit and um, parents and, and college students coming forward and, and now are on deck helping us uh, staff our buildings. So we came back hybrid and, and now we're, we're back full um, K through 12 where we, all of our students are in except for our students who are, have chosen to learn remotely exclusively and things are going well. You know, the, the, the good news now is, um, it looks like we're over the top of that curve and on the, 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 the downside of it. And it, the one thing I've learned from this is, is our, our ability to stay open is directly connected to the amount of virus in the community. And, and now that the numbers are going down, we're seeing less of community spread that's coming into the schools. Um, over the past two weeks, I'm aware of uh, three instances where students, faculty, or staff um, tested positive and we needed to do contact tracing. But that number is relatively small compared to what we were absorbing in, in November when the, right. the numbers were higher. So community spread and school um, operations are, are directly connected. And now that the numbers are going down, um, we're, we're up and going and you know, it's full steam ahead. That said, I, I have to continue to appeal to our community, uh, keep, keep doing the right thing. And, and by that, I mean, you know, limit your exposure in the community, keep those masks on, maintain your social distancing, stay home if you're sick, all of those things that we're tired of now, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, but, but those things work and the, it's clear that the, the, the science is accurate. Th those things work. And if sure. we, we keep doing them, um, we're likely to continue to stay open, and, and that's what I'm committed to. Yeah, exactly. Well, I saw this week too from the uh, the CDC. There's they've they've kind of upgraded their their mask addendum. Now they're they're saying double masking is uh, uh, a better thing to do uh, as far as in relation to putting a uh, you know a, a surgical mask in and then uh, first and then using a cloth mask over that, which is supposedly uh, supposed to limit the uh, spread or uh, of to 95 percent so uh again that's a you know uh, another revision uh, again of one of many that came from cdc so uh whether that's going to help and i think uh, most of our students here are masking anyway so yeah, uh, yeah clearly i think what you're seeing is um 
people understanding the rules and following them and, and wearing masks, we're starting to see vaccinations happening, you know, and, and um, I think that holidays are over and, you know, it was a, a, a snowy, lousy day and maybe that kept people home for the Super Bowl. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know I think that we're, we're, we're understanding what we need to do. Sure. And, and you know, we, we ran the, the vaccination clinic here for 75 and older, and it's now open to 65. And we're all waiting anxiously for our turn um, when ed- educators are, are able and, and hopefully the, the supplies pick up. But, you know, we're, 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 we're in a little bit of a race, of course, against new variants and, and um, upticks. But we just got to hold, hold steady and, and understand that, you know, the, the end is in sight. It's not going to be immediate, but let's just keep doing the right thing. And, and we're going we're gonna to soldier through this. Sure, absolutely. I know the, uh, um, the next clinic up here is on the 20th, and that basically is the, the Sec- 65. Second, yeah. Uh, is the, the 65 and older uh, I think, yeah. and uh, Well, the 20th, I think, is the second round correct. of vaccines for the people who two weeks ago correct. Um, got, got their shots. Uh, and now on uh, Susan's podcast last week, uh, in fact, we had Russ and, and uh, Mary Pont on. They did, uh, on that uh, Friday, um, they did a clinic at the Senior Center uh, and so forth. And that was basically just for Portland residents. Uh, and apparently they that that went very well. They had over just south of a hundred um, that uh, uh, got vaccinated down there, and they're going to be planning another one. So now that the next uh, group is now being okayed or uh, sixty five and uh, the sixty five year old group uh, and so forth. So that's that's a good thing. Um, so what what happens there is again, you know, the the more vaccinations we can get in the arms, the better off we're going to be. All right. And so we're and now, um, you know, from our standpoint, I know uh, we just have a bill now that's in the legislature for uh, being involved with the the water departments now uh, of critical employees on 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 water sector employees now uh, are I think are going to be opened up uh, as far as that goes. So we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's going up to to, to legislation now. So um, the the other thing that uh, I think that you're dealing with now, obviously, is uh, we're embarking on on the budget process. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us what's happening there. Yeah, I'll sure. It's- Actually, kind of refreshing to not talk about COVID, right? I mean, um, what normal life is happening, right? And you know, obviously, we're getting beat up a little with the weather now, and a lot of snow out there. I'm, I'm looking behind you out the studio window here, and it's it's piled up pretty high. But you know, it, the the seasons suggest that it's time for us to um, you, you know identify what we're going to need to to keep running the buildings, and and um, how much of that comes from property taxes and, and the state, all of these pictures are starting to, to come together. And um, we do have a, a, a Board of Education adopted budget. Um, the way I would characterize uh, the requests this year is, is it's largely a, a status quo budget, right? That, that we've made some really nice investments in faculty and staff and, and support services. Um, and now it's time to largely continue those. So mm-hmm. I would characterize overall the budget as a, a, a status quo budget, keep us on the path we're on, with two sort of exceptions. There, there are two unique things in that budget that that I, I really want to want to press hard on and explain. The first one is um, we're proposing a leasing program for our Chromebooks. Right. So the district, it's wonderful, it provides every student, this year, every student, 
uh, in a normal year, every student in grade 5 through 12 with a personal device. So we're, we're a one-to-one -one device um, district. Those devices were all purchased, large numbers of them were purchased um, four years ago and are, are coming out of warranty. And you know, as we know about technology, the older it gets, the, the less likely it is to work well. So we, we, need to, we need to upgrade those and replace those devices that have aged out. And, and the, the least expensive and way to do that um, and cre you know, create a, a pool of devices for our students is to lease. So I'm bringing forward a, re a request to um, lease our Chromebooks as opposed to buy, wait for them to run out of warranty and then throw out and buy new, um, a, a leasing option. And, and, you know, there's a lot of conversation about that and, and pros and cons of leasing are the same pros and cons that you get when you lease a car, right? You don't, Absolutely, yep. you don't build equity in it, you know, you know, when, when you're done with it, you know, you have to give it back, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I believe it's the best option and, and will give us what we need. And, and boy, are we, I would say there's probably no aspect in any grade level of our curriculum instruction and assessment approaches that aren't tech dependent in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the second thing in the budget, um, we absolutely need, must have, it's, it's long overdue at this point, and, and that's a, a, a new track for the high school. Yep. That, that's about a half million dollar expense. Um, it's something we're going to need to do, frankly, this summer. It, it should have been done probably two or three summers ago. Yes, yes. Putting a track into something you can't do in the winter. Um, but we need it. it, it right now, uh, we, we are unable to host um, track meets. Sure. Um, the, you may, you, anybody who goes and walks on that track will know that it's in a deplorable, deplorable condition. And it needs to be replaced. Sure, um, it's it, a safety issue. Yeah, it can't be patched anymore. It's it's got to be full rip, full foundation and and topping of the track need, needs to happen. Sure. And um, so so you know those are the two things in the budget that I see as as new types of of right. requests that um, we, we've got to have. And and uh, you know I've started the conversation with the board of education. They were unanimously approved, and now I'm. Engaging um, town council and and uh, first select woman and 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 hoping I can make a compelling case for our, our ultimately our, our voters in town to to support those two initiatives. Well, I think too, as uh, from a standpoint of, of of you know from the the budgetary process, you know the the leasing of the computers. Um, obviously, technology is. Uh, waits for no one. Uh, you know, uh, it's it, it moves quicker than we can keep up. Mm -hmm. And by moving to a, a rent uh, uh, to own or a, a, a leasing option, basically what happens is it takes it out of the capital expenditure and right. puts it into the operating expenditure. And a lot of towns are, are doing that because... Uh, uh, you know as well as I do. You know when when budgets get tight. You know what is the first thing they get Correct. cut? Okay, it's the the capital budget. Okay, can and you've experienced it. I've experienced it. You know, can you make it do one more year? Can you make it do one more year? Uh, but as you say, there there comes a time when <laughs> no, you can't. You know, I'm I'm dealing with it on on uh, on my end from the technology side on a phone system. Um, the phone system. Uh, especially here at the high school, is is um, becoming it's it's out of date. Okay, and the thing is, is that when the manufacturer says it's end of life, it's end of life. And then what happens is, is that you try to f repair it or fix it, and then you you parts are not available. 
uh, and so forth. So getting into that uh, lease uh, option is, is certainly a way of, you know, building it into the operating budget. And, uh, you know, going forward, I think it's, it's, a, uh, it's a more economical way. Yeah, and I, and I would also a- add to that, that, that by, doing, by doing the lease and providing all students in, in 5 through 12 with the newer devices that are under warranty yep. and redeploying our existing devices, K through 5, Every student will have a reliable, stable, you know, upgraded, uh, up-to-date Chromebook. And what does that mean? Here's the exciting thing. Learning doesn't have to stop when students get on the bus and leave. Right. We, we will offer summer learning programs. We, we will we'll offer um, interventions and supports that, that can happen outside of the traditional school day. You know, one thing we're learning from the pandemic is that... Bricks and mortar schools, you know, are never going to go away because there's always that critical socializing importance. But they, bricks and mortar are not a necessity for learning. Correct. And by having every student equipped with a device and every faculty and staff equipped with a device, hey, year-round schooling, let's go. Sure. You know, evening schooling, let's go. Yeah. Life, lifelong learning every day, all the time, 24-7, 365. That's what I want to take away from this pandemic. Well, and I think that is one of the valuable lessons that uh, I think that uh, gave us a, a rude awakening, so to speak, of, uh, and not only in, in academia, but also in the corporate world. You know, a lot of people working from home, you're, you're seeing that a lot of these big corporate officers are saying, hey, we don't need to lease all this space. You know, if our employees right. can work at home, uh, it's going to save on their wear and tear. It's going to save us on, you know, uh, leasing sp- rental space uh, and so forth. So, but, but the bottom line is everybody be- benefits. And, you know, uh, statistically, I think they're seeing that uh, productivity uh, in, in some respects has, has increased. Okay. So, which, which is a good thing. Absolutely. And, and even on a practical level, I'll give you one small example. I was reflecting on this today, the other day with my leadership team. If a student, I'll just make this up randomly at, at, at Gildersleeve need some extra help in the form of maybe some reading intervention, some reading programming or math intervention. It seems kind of counterintuitive now that sometimes we'll take the student out of the class and provide them the intervention during the school day at a time when maybe it's convenient for the reading interventionist. Right. The new world would suggest, why wouldn't you provide that reading intervention maybe in the afternoon or evening? Sure. We don't have to take the student out of the class to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that lots of people hearing that, especially if they're maybe a teacher going, oh, my God, I thought that would be outside of my contractual day or, or you know, not, not in the schedule, right? right. Well, look, it, let's, let's think bigger now. We know we can do this. We've done sure. remote well. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we create personalized experiences for the students and start to break down maybe some of those contractual-based, schedule-based, bricks-and-mortar-based norms that we're used to. Yep. And that does that there's a lot of conversation that goes with how we do that. Yep. But by equipping students with the technology and the skills and teachers with the technology and skills, at minimum it opens the doors to those discussions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, rightfully so. I, I think uh, it, it just uh, thinking outside the box, I think it, it broadens the whole perspective of uh, again, uh, you know, offering um, you know, learning to the student, uh, 
you know, that perhaps it may be, may be shortchanged during the daytime or the schedule. So whatever, yep. uh, that, that it works. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Uh, figuring that out. Um, I know we've been lucky so far and we got hit the last, last week or so with snow days. So I think, um, can you just break down the, the, the snow day policy oh, that yeah. you guys, because uh, whether what what constitutes remote learning, what constitutes closed, what constitutes you know, sure, yeah, that that um, part of what we are able to do this year because of this apropos of this discussion we just had about our ability to do things online remotely, is we were given the option of if we have a snow day, let it be a remote day, count it as a school day, and then not make it up in June, right? Um, we, we, we had that discussion and clearly we are able to do that, but there's also a, a, a real value in the, the cultural experience of a snow day. A snow day. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we all, hey, I remember actually having to listen to WELI on the radio and, okay. you know, be North Brantford, you know, Northford and waiting anxiously for North Haven, my district to be called. And, you know, now we get it five different ways in texts and voicemails, but, um, you know, there's something to be said for, hey, it's a snow day, have a snow day, right? Yeah. Um, so we balanced it. We said, look, it, the first three will be snow days. And then after the third, we'll have it be a remote learning day so that we're not going to school until the end of June. Um, because, you know, our buildings are a little older, and I do want to come back and talk to you about that too. And probably not today. Let's talk about sure. some of the plans we have for, you know, looking at our facilities. But our, our buildings are old and it gets hot in June and, you know, we don't want to be here till June 30th, exactly. right? Exactly. So the first three are snow days this year. And now that we're past the third, any weather-related uh, closure will be a remote learning day. Uh -huh. And for that, I can guarantee you the last day of school, graduation, June 16th. There we go. That's the day. Yeah. Um, and, and it's nice to know that. People can plan their vacations, plan their hopefully in-person graduation celebrations to be determined. Um but that's, that's the direction we're going to go for the rest of this year if we have any more. And it's likely we will if I'm looking at the weather. Um, snow days, there'll be remote learning days. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm sure in your superintendent's meetings and so forth, I, uh, I know other districts have different. I, I think Glossenberry, the way they've, uh, uh, I think, adopted is basically every other day or every other snowstorm is, is a remote learning day or a snow day. Yep. Uh, and so forth. So I, I'm sure that discussion has made the rounds in, in uh, your circles as far as that goes on what are you doing and what are you doing? <laughs> it's, Connecticut is such a fascinating place. There are 169 towns in Connecticut and 169 ways to do things. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. <laughs> the, the stone walls and steady habits and importance of local control. So yeah. um, everybody's doing it a little different. Okay. I would say that probably a good 45% of the districts um, think have decided the way we have here, which is the first three snow days, then remote days. Yep. But some are doing all remote, some are doing all snow. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it, take it, your pick. Yeah, it's a carte blanche. It's a, <laughs> like, like a Chinese menu. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just fascinating. That's, that is such a, a, a cultural phenomenon in Connecticut. Lots of states have county-based or more centralized school districts and ways to do things and hey we're, we're yankees and we like our local control and we there, all make our decisions in-house um, th there you go there you go <laughs> i know you mentioned w-e-l-i when i was growing up it was w-t-i-c in hartford sure, you know yeah. you had uh, 
you know, the old, uh, uh, the, on the hour, the do-do-do-do. Yeah. And then there was Bob Steele on, the, yeah. you know, my parents listened to Bob Steele every morning, faithfully started at six o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. And again, listening for this, for him to read off all of the, the closures and so forth, yeah. and how the technology has changed. Yeah. And, that, and now it comes to you in, in text and voicemail at every media outlet in real time. Yeah. So. Kids can just sleep in and, and not wait with bated breath by the radio. Right? Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, also from, is, is there a, uh, you know, from your standpoint on making decisions, is is that decision usually made at four in the morning or? Um, I, I, look, if it's, if it's obvious, we're, we're staring down a blizzard. Yeah. Um, or, you know, this is, I, I would always err on or prefer the night before mm-hmm. um, because it gives everybody a chance to get ready and, and, plan. and go to sleep knowing what the next day looks like. Yeah. But there are, there are, you know, it's Connecticut weather, right? I mean, wait 10 minutes. Yeah. It'll change. You know, and the difference between you know 29 when it's going to be snow and 34 when it's going to be rain, you often don't know and get the old weather rock out. Remember those? Oh yes. <laughs> so, oh, yes. You know, when it's, when we're unsure, then, then that's when it's likely going to be a, a, a 4:45 you know, wake up and figure out what it's looking like out there. Call the Department of Public Works, call yeah. the crews and get their input and then make a decision at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that way, uh, you know, you can make plans and, and, and to go from there. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day when I was growing up, we used, you remember you used to have the eight ball and you asked it a question oh, and, yeah, and you yeah, turned yeah. it over. Unsure. <laughs> <laughs> Unsure. Likely or, you know. Right. Oh, whatever. Yes, that's awesome. So, all right. Well, great, Charles. I think um, that, uh, I think we'll pretty much sum it up. Uh, I would just say, but next time you come back, maybe if we, but let's have a discussion about um, the direction of the district, grade level configurations, facilities. You know, we got a lot of needs in in Portland with some aging buildings. Yes. I want to, you know, start, we started a discussion Mm -hmm. um, with a, a, facilities analysis, a committee that's working on this. And, you know, I just, I don't, I want to, it's, this is part of a three to five year plan, but yeah. I'd love the opportunity to start the discussion with the community. Sure, sure. I know on last week's podcast, I think Susan, you know, I think previewed with the uh, the big solar projects that's going to happen at, at the biz. Yeah. So, uh, you know, things like that, uh, we can keep moving forward. And again, you know, with, Clean energy and, you know, any way to save money and whatever, I think uh, that, that has to be uh, at, the, at the forefront, especially in these tight budget times. For sure. there. So anyway. All right, Dr. Charles Britton, uh, uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, I'm Dave Kosminski, your host. We're live here in the uh, Town Tech Educational Podcast Studio at Portland High School. And uh, until next time, uh, as I always close our uh, Town of Portland podcast, uh, you know, please stay home, stay safe, wash your hands, and above all, wear your mask. See you soon. Thanks. This podcast was produced by the Town Tech Educational Partnership Program, which is a partnership between Portland High School and the Portland Town Hall. If you're looking to start a podcast for your business or organization, check out towntech.org forward slash podcast to learn more.